Hi, and welcome to the Beyond the Scale podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, and this podcast, presented by Sequence, will discuss a wide range of topics related to obesity, nutrition, and fitness. With the help of special guests, my goal is to shed light on the new weight science. Welcome back to Beyond the Scale. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, and I have with me our amazing fitness director, Dr. Justin Kampf. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of retaining, keeping your muscle and lean body mass as you lose weight. Specifically with these medicines, you lose a lot of weight quickly and there is a risk of losing both adipose, which is fat tissue, which is good, but then losing some of our good tissue, which is muscle and and potentially bone as well. So welcome, Dr. Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me who has created our awesome fitness program where we focus on strength training. So when trying to retain lean mass, which what we care about is a lot of bone, obviously, and then skeletal muscle mass, like most people don't even lift. We joke about that. We're like, do you even lift? That's kind of a joke on the internet. But like, why do we focus on strength training anyway? A lot fewer people are meeting the muscle strength training guidelines, which is actually less time dedicated to doing it than the aerobic training guidelines. And we there's a lot of reasons why it's tough. What should I do when I go to the gym? But so why should you be doing that, especially as you're losing weight? Well, that's naturally as you're losing weight, I believe it's like 25% lean mass that's lost, 75% fat mass that's lost. And we don't we don't want to lose lean mass, you know, can have an effect on your metabolism. Obviously losing weight is important, but just, I think having strength and having muscle, especially as you age is just incredibly important for so many. I think you could think about any different health benefit and having additional muscle and having additional strength is going to be just highly beneficial for that. So we want to make sure and exercise in general can cut that as the 25%. They cut it down to about 12%, but that's just exercise in general. I think there's even some research that would suggest that strength training can attenuate at the least and even, you know, possibly prevent you from losing lean mass as you're losing weight. Yeah. Yeah. If doing it properly, what, what, what do you think is the minimum amount of strength training one needs to do two times a week? What do you think? That's a really good question, actually, because you know, one time per week, two times per week, that could look very different in between different people. So for example, I could lift light weights two times per week. Is that going to have the same exact benefit as if I did it one time per week and I was lifting heavier loads and, and stressing my muscles? I think as far as I can tell, I would say two times in terms of frequency where you are actually, you know, stressing your muscles seems to be a safe bet. But I actually believe that do even doing it once per week and you're, you know, you're again, you're stressing all of your major muscle groups, I do believe that that's going to have a significant positive effect on prevention of lean mass. So I, it's not actually a huge dose of strength training that you need to do to prevent it. I would say more is better. I typically don't see anything beneficial beyond three days per week that I've seen in the literature for almost actually anything. So it's not like you really need to do a lot of strength training yeah. to attain a lot of benefits. So I, I think you're probably actually safe with one. Two is a good bet though. In those bouts, though, you actually have to put in some effort, which can be scary for most people. A lot of people don't understand what it means to get close to what we call failure. There's different definitions of failure, but what you're discussing is probably need to get pretty close to that threshold in order to, look, we're in what's called a a very deep calorie deficit, an energy deficit. Our body is 
going, all right, well, let's get rid of this mass that's here. Most of it is adipose, but muscle and, and bone, those things are metabolically costly. So your body gets rid of it. It loses it. So you have to send a signal to say, hey, no, no, stick around. Please stick around here. And that signal comes from when you put in a lot of the effort. So what what is the definition? There's different definitions of like what is failure, what we're talking about, like yeah. doing a bench press. And let's say for me, failure would be like you're getting to the ninth rep and we, you barely can get the last 10th rep or something, whatever your last rep is, and you wouldn't be able to do more and you you know it and you rack it. Other people might say they don't even get the last rep up and that would be failure. What would you say is a good practical takeaway? Maybe even a better way to think of it would be what would I recommend? Yeah. I typically think of failure as I could not get a single other rep. I can see how some people would say, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I, I actually failed. I think both of those would be fine definitions. But what I typically recommend for people, so if you're a novice, I say, you know, leave five reps in the tank. That's for novices because if a novice goes till failure, that could be quite an unpleasant experience a day or two days later. And that might make them not want to go back to doing strength training. So I typically say for novices, you know, leave five in the tank, you know, week one, week two. But then I think for the most part, for anyone that's doing strength training, if they leave, you know, like two reps in the tank, you're going to have positive adaptations with that. And I really don't think you need to go until failure for every single thing that you do. I don't think that's probably a good idea either. Coming close is fine. But I, I usually recommend, you know, leave two reps in the tank. Yeah, that's good. Probably a time and a place to push it like that, but it's not all the time. I like to prescribe sometimes based on reps left in the tank and give a range of like eight to 12 reps, let's say. Let's say you get to 10 reps and you're like, I can do, I think I can do only two more. Then you'd stop mm-hmm. at that 10, even though you were prescribed that range of in between eight to 12 reps. That's good. So we're saying when most people start lifting weights, I, I've noticed I've gone with patients. You're a trainer. You've worked with thousands of people. Yeah. What do you think people miss most about like the intensity? Like I've noticed people like can sit there and talk to me while they're doing the reps and then they'll stop. And I'm like, that, that was not nearly hard enough. We don't want you to get destroyed, but he needs a little bit more than that. So how, how would you coach that? I think that you actually start to experience a general level of discomfort, maybe even on rep five or something like that. And some people think, okay, I should probably stop. This is too much. Whereas they probably could have done a lot more. So just gauging how you deal with discomfort and knowing like some level of discomfort you should have, you know, you might be able to talk while you're exercising, but yeah, it it should be, if we're thinking like an RPE scale rating of perceived exertion, I want people to be working at close to an eight or something like that. I'm using a zero to 10 scale instead of that weird six to 20 scale that no one really uses outside of research, but it should be difficult. You know, you should be feeling it. Yeah. So we have our new fitness program that Justin put together at sequence. So if you don't know about it, it's going to be rolled out even more with, you know, within an app and all these different things. But for now we have these programs and you can actually schedule visits with our fitness coaches and whatever. But if you're new to it, the whole understanding, the effort, It's going to take some time, but the importance of retaining that lean muscle mass and lean mass in general, you do have to get to the point where you're a little bit uncomfortable. And some people might not like that at first, but there is a point where it should feel good, but uncomfortable. It's a hard thing to describe. What about soreness? People are going to feel sore when they first start doing this. That's kind of why we don't destroy people to begin with, because you can get really sore and never want to do it. A little soreness is fine. You don't have to feel sore. Any other recommendations there? Yeah. And that's why I tend to 
prescribe lower training volumes when people are getting started, just because if you haven't lifted weights before, or if you're just getting back into lifting weights, or honestly, you might've experienced this too. If you took two weeks off and then you did a leg day, you're going to be pretty sore the next time. So you actually see in my experience, and then working with other people too, relatively rapid reductions in the intensity with which you experience soreness. So I think some people get turned off by, you know, weeks one through four, they're like, oh, I'm so sore, but it gets better. So I don't think it'd be uncommon for you to be quite sore. I always tell people I'd rather have you undershoot off the bat than overshoot and be like, okay, I can't do my planned strength training those two days later because I'm just too sore right now. So just recognize if you're just getting started, low volume's fine. I recommend low volume. I agree. So for more about the why though, so, you know, when people lose weight, they usually want to fit in their clothes and things like that. So aesthetics wise, people are, you know, we treat obesity, which is a health thing and we don't, we're not focusing on the vanity, but when people come, they also want to look better and feel better. Losing weight without regard to the composition of it, it's going to be a lot of adipose or fat if you struggle with a lot of weight, but losing weight in general without regard to the lean mass can result in, you may not like the way your body is shaped as much as if you were to lift weights. Again, this is vanity purely and people might be going, well, what does this have to do with health? Well, it's just the truth that people care about that. In fact, some people can change the shape of their body and the inches where they store the fat just with exercise alone. It's something called body recomposition. So you may not notice changes on the scale, which it's fine because you're changing the composition of more muscle, less fat tissue, and without seeing too much of a, a shift on the scale. From a cardiometabolic standpoint, the more muscle you have, the more place you can store glucose, the more you can actually use lipids or lipoproteins, triglycerides, uh, and, and use that for your fuel. Yeah. And then there's actually an acute, we call an acute or instant insulin sensitizing effect. So if you lift weights mm -hmm. on that day, technically for probably the next you know 12 to 24 hours, your body will utilize glucose better just after that one time. But after you do it a lot, you'll have more muscle to then store the glucose and, and use triglycerides and things like that. You just wrote a blog on that for us. If anybody's interested, you can read that, which yep. Dr. Justin goes into that type of stuff. Any, any other things there in regards to metabolic health that you wrote about in that paper? Well, I, th I think too, just the, you know, putting on muscle. And so even if you are the same weight, you will be healthier metabolically, which I think is going to be really important once you maintain or you hit any kind of maintenance weight that you want to prevent yourself from gaining weight in the future, which is, which is certainly a problem. But yeah, in terms of the metabolic health benefits of having additional muscle, you know, I, so I spoke about, I think you're referencing the article about, you know, like what's the optimal dose of strength training to, you know, prevent diabetes. Mm -hmm. Well, two different outcomes, right? So you're, if, so just the act of doing strength training does like exactly like what you just said, helps improve insulin sensitivity, helps improve flat fasting glucose, all of that good stuff. That's, you know, that's immediate, but then also if you have more muscle in general, which is more of a longer term thing that also has those, those beneficial effects too. So yeah, the good thing about that is there's immediate acute benefits. And then also once you do it chronically, you will have a healthier metabolic profile. I think is just as important, if not more important is, is having the function 
because like, so if, so what if you lose a lot of weight? So you're like, look a little bit better. What if you can't do your activities of daily living as well? Sure. When you lose a lot of weight, you're able to go up the stairs and that type of thing a little bit easier because you're not carrying that much weight and you might not be out of breath and things like that. But what about like one of our patients said, I could finally get around Disney world for the first time with my grandkids and I didn't have as much pain and I still had the energy and strength to do this. So function, you don't want to just lose weight for the sake of losing weight. You want to be able to function and live and have a better quality of life. And that's where muscle strength and the quality of it, maybe not total lean muscle mass, but the quality of it and the, the strength matters a lot. Because you just don't you don't want to grow up and be frail and potentially fall over because you're not strong enough mm-hmm. to hold yourself up, and then you en- end up breaking a hip or a bone of some sort, and that can increase your risk of mortality and all these different things. So that's where Dr. Justin put together our fitness program to help with f- not only retaining our lean muscle uh, as we lose weight, but also functioning to use it to better use the muscle. Because otherwise, you know, just aesthetics are nice again, but like. Who cares when we really want to live a more quality life? Yeah. At my postdoc job right before this, we had this access to this really large data set and a subset of that data set had participants that we would assess their grip, their grip strength overall, and then we would assess their physical functioning. And these were middle-aged and older adults. And just as you would guess, the people that are stronger consistently have better physical functioning, whether that's, you know, like how fast that they can walk, what their gait speed is, how well they can get up and down from a chair. So yeah, in terms of healthy aging, this is, I think we can, we'll end up talking about, you know, what's better aerobics or strength training, the answer is both. But in terms of aging successfully, I think strength training is just so important for maintaining physical functioning. Yeah. I did a a debate earlier this year about what should we focus on resistance training or aerobic training? You know, I took the the resistance training side, the person debating me, who's one of the biggest researchers in exercise and weight loss in general, took the aerobic side. And, you know, at the end, we're basically talking about, you should do both, not one or the other is, is better, but we do want to make sure because these drugs, everybody that's with sequence is likely on a medicine. And a lot of people are on these new GLP-1 drugs. They are just so powerful. And there's there's been people trying to say, these things cause lean mass loss and, and they're dangerous. And it's like, no, they, they're not inherently catabolic to muscle. They put you in a deep calorie deficit because you can't eat as much and help with appetite, as we talked about on all the other podcasts. And doing so, if you, if you did that with diet or bariatric surgery, you know, if you don't lift weights, it's going to be somewhere around 30% lean mass loss, as Dr. Justin mentioned before. So if you can minimize that with even just one or two days and get it down to 12 or even nothing, which there may be some research coming out soon on that, that's ideal. And Dr. Justin's program does that. Do you incorporate aerobic training in in the programs as well? Yes. So whenever I talk to people, I just say, here's your three buckets of exercise. One is strength training. It's going to be really, really important, especially as you're losing weight. Then we can talk about aerobics. And we can talk about increasing your step count. And if you're going on planned, more brisk walks, we can count that towards, you know, your moderate aerobics as well. So we always talk about that too. The strength training is a little bit harder for people because aerobics is, you know, it's one continuous act. Okay, I go out and I go walk. I don't really need much equipment for it. I don't really need to put much thought into it versus I think one thing that people struggle with strength training, which is why it's 
beneficial to have extra help is, you know, I go in the gym, what should I be doing? A lot of people want to do it, but they're just like, they get in there and like, you know, what should I do? It's a little overwhelming. We'll talk about some of that too, moving up. But why is doing strength training more challenging? It's what you need to have. There's technical components to it. And then there's also a bigger knowledge base to it. So we really try to make sure that that is completely understood so that we can just, you know, boiled down to, okay, so, you know, we know what to do. So let's plan on when we're going to do it. And how can I best support to make sure that you stick with your routine? Yeah, that was part of the debate because aerobic training, he was counting um, walking and I, I'm with you. I would say leisure walking doesn't count as aerobic training. It doesn't get intense enough. You're not increasing your metabolic equivalence enough to count as aerobic exercise. It's very good for you. I do a lot of it per day, but you do have to increase the intensity a little bit to where you're breathing a little bit harder and that type of thing. They're they're all good. If you can do all three of those, I think you're good. Now, the thing is, though, some people have orthopedic issues and they might be able to leisurely walk, but they can't briskly walk because of knee pains or whatever. Yeah. So they might do a bike and that's fine, but sometimes people get bored with that. So the, the cool thing with strength training, I think, is that there's so many different types of movements that you can get around a lot of these orthopedic things. So like, for example, if somebody has osteoarthritis in their knee and they can't squat, what would you recommend for them to do if they can't do like a a regular back squat? Oh yeah. And I actually wouldn't recommend a back squat for probably anybody that's in there unless they're in this program, unless they're advanced, but. Or anything like that, any similar movement like that. And and you're completely right. Is that one thing that might make strength training hard for people to do is actually it has a tremendous benefit because of the variety. So there's so many different exercises that you can do despite any kind of potential limitations that you have, which can be hard to figure out, which is why, you know, you should talk to me. First thing I look at is, you know, what are the biomechanics of how you're currently squatting? And is that what's bothering you? So we look at, you know, technique. So some people, if they have knee issues, maybe if their knees go too far forward, then that is bothersome for them. Well, there's, you can modify the squat by, you can sit back into it a little bit more, place the emphasis while still on the quads, more on the backside of your legs. You end up leaning forward a little bit more. Other things is you can control the range of motion with which you're squatting. So there's not like a rule that says that you need to squat, you know, parallel or below. If, if the range of motion that you are capable of is a quarter squat or halfway down, that's fine. That's what we can work with right now. And I wouldn't be surprised too, if somebody got stronger, they can end up accessing more range of motion, but there's always ways to change the exercise, whether that's the tool. So is that like, am I holding a weight in front of my body, goblet squat style, that biomechanics change if I put a bar on my back or if I'm holding them down at my sides, if I'm bringing my knees forward more, or if I'm sitting back more. So there's a lot of troubleshooting involved with what's the joint friendly exercise for you. So there, there's a way, there's a way. Yeah. So, I mean, the gist is basically from an orthopedic standpoint, because there's only like one way to walk, <laughs> you know, like I suppose you could like yeah. invert your feet and, and, and do all sorts of weird stuff. But like in general, walking's walking, biking's biking. You can change your placement of your foot and, and, and stuff like that on the pedals, but like, that's it. And I would say that Variety is the spice of life, so you can do all sorts of different, there's so many different types of exercise to keep things interesting. So I would say that like mixing it up, doing strength training and aerobic training, I think whoever's listening, if you like hate strength training and it makes you not want to exercise, well then probably not a good idea to force it, but I bet Dr. Justin could figure out 
something that you actually wouldn't mind doing and you could do at least once a week. Yeah. And, and I, and I would agree with that. I'd say like, you know, if exercise was a menu at a restaurant, you would never want to eat the things that you don't like. Yeah. You know, we would highly recommend, for example, you should eat some vegetables. You don't have to eat a ton of vegetables. If that's, mm. you know, our analogy for strength training. But again, like you said, the good thing about strength training is there's so many different variations of it. You know, we've had some people that like, I just find it boring. And they often happen to have like those VR headsets where they can play those VR games where like they're squatting and they're doing like punches and they're like, oh, nice. There's one member. She's just like, ah, it's just not fun for me at all. She's like, I like like video games. I'm like, do you have like a VR headset? She's and she, now she's just hooked on Supernatural, the game. So she's doing that. She's there's other ways to make it more fun too. you know, like if you can exercise with friends like that's a very healthy social thing to do yeah that i highly recommend so maybe you don't love it but maybe it's like oh i get to be with people i think that a lot of times if people find the right space to exercise in specifically strength training like they're going to have fun yeah there's there's ways to have fun even if you don't necessarily you know love it right off the bat and i'll tell you what i've never met somebody that's been like upset that they got stronger so they're everyone's like oh my god i'm stronger this is awesome so yeah so that's that's the gist. If you want to retain your lean mass because you're losing lots of weight and you want to make sure you're getting the metabolic benefits and the function and also that aesthetic look, make sure you get a consult with our fitness coaches, Dr. Justin. We also have Mark with us, one of our amazing coaches too. And we have our program set for people to also get as well. And yeah, any other closing thoughts? Well, looking forward to talking about aerobics versus strength, but for sure, come have a chat with me. First, you know, we'll make sure that you have a plan, but then if you have any specific questions, just, you know, reach out, ask, happy to have a chat with you about any other issues surrounding strength training. Perfect. Thanks for coming on and chatting again. Yeah. Thanks for having me.